Um, what do you find yourself thinking of when you think of this idea of what do you want to do before you die? Ah, uh, I wanted to, uh, what, if I was to fill in a blank, uh, before I die, I want to get sober. Ellie Mercutio Sherrier has a question for St. Louis. What do you want to do before you die? This isn't it. There's still things to thrive for and goals and dreams and there's a reason to love and not to give up. The independent filmmakers asking that question in a public art piece being installed this month in downtown St. Louis. It's part of an international art project that's been circling the globe for 10 years now, but it's perhaps a more timely question these days than ever. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. And before we move on, I want to remind you that the biggest source of St. Louis Public Radio's funding comes from listeners like you. Because you value what you hear on St. Louis on the Air, donate today. Go to stlpr.org donate. That's stlpr.org donate. Ellie Mercutio Sherrier joined me today to talk about her work on this art project and what got her thinking about its important question. Ellie, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Ellie, as I mentioned, this has been circling the globe for about 10 years now. When did you first hear about it in its travels? I understand it was in St. Louis at some point. Did you see it last time it was here? I did. I'm part of the International Male Art Union that uh, they circle the globe different artists of different, all different types uh, send mail art to each other, and it's just one of the projects that came through, and I uh, just got on board several years ago, but I think it really needs to come to St. Louis uh, for a lot of reasons. Number one, because of COVID and, and people thinking that this is it. You know, I mean, what, what better time than right now, mm-hmm. you know, to have a project that, an installation that enables individuals to share their unique desires and and values as well as like a shared snapshot of our collective anxieties, hopes and joys and sorrows. You know, it it also reminds people, you know, that there's not, this isn't it, there's still things to thrive for and goals and dreams and there's a reason to love and not to give up. Hmm. There's so many people that it fits like right into it. So many people have mental illnesses or depression and anxieties are on the rise and so people are making foolish decisions and thinking their life has not got any worth or, or value to it anymore and I just want to remind them collectively as a community that we're all in this together globally. Part of this project, there's going to be three other walls erected around the world. I have from the male art people, there's going to be one in Germany, one in France and one in England at the same time that mine's going to be revealed on January 31st in Forest Park. So these, uh, these ones in Germany, France, and England, they're sort of tied in spiritually to the one that you're, you're putting up here? Yes, ma'am, because it is a global art project. It also, we're dealing with a global pandemic, and whatever problems we're dealing with here, they're dealing with in Bangladesh, they're dealing with in London, they're dealing with in Germany. You know, whether it's the loss of a job or the loss of a loved one or just feeling depressed or feeling like this is it. Mm-hmm. I understand this question does have some personal resonance for you. Um, what do you find yourself thinking of when you think of this idea of what do you want to do before you die? Uh, I wanted to, uh, what, if I was to fill in a blank, uh, before I die, I want to get sober. Um, this 
this project kind of relates to I personally don't struggle with depression on such a, a high scale that it affects me greatly, but I know lots of people do. But I'm in recovery for 10 years as of this uh, February 2nd from heroin. And a lot of people find it difficult to believe that I don't have anything like methadone or any kind of assistance. And I just try to do the next best right thing. But it, it ties in with me, effects of what you were saying, uh, because there's a lot of people that think, you know, that we can't go on or, or there's no value, just like a lot of people think that there's no value uh, when they've made a lot of bad decisions. And, and there's, there still is. There's, as long as you're six feet above ground, you're, you still have time to make you know, beautiful things out of your life. And Ellie, 10 years, that is something to be so proud of. Congratulations on that. That's that's so wonderful to hear. I understand that when you were in the throes of this, this was this really got you bad. I understand you were in the workhouse um, yes. for some yes, time. Yes, ma'am. I, and I, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people have a lot of pains about the workhouse, and I have to say that um, publicly, so be it, whatever, I know they're getting ready to shut it down, but it's because of the conditions and the substandard place that it was that I stay sober every day. I never want to visit that hell again. It is exactly what I needed. And if people who can tell me everybody gets clean differently, but for me, it was to sit in jail for quite some time. Hmm. It sounds like that was a really powerful deterrent with, with what you were dealing with, that this it was such a, a hellish place. Oh, God was waiting for me in the bottom of that jail cell, waiting for me, and so was my sobriety. So that's where I picked up my sobriety was in the bottom of that jail cell. So I'm thankful for the workhouse, and, you know, I know that they need to, you know, close it down for other reasons. But, you know, when people go to jail and they they have all these frothy benefits and stuff, it makes it difficult for people to understand that their life is in a time of turmoil and Mm -hmm. out-of-controlness. They they find that, you know, difficult to believe when they got all these luxuries. But when you're sitting in the bottom of a scummy cell, you'll realize where your life has got you to. Ellie, I, I understand so many people have struggled with holding on to their sobriety during this pandemic. It's just been such a hard time. I've seen some stats that show that overdoses are way up. Um, people oh, just oh, yeah. struggling. 40, 42% as of May of 2020, it's it shot up. So what has kept you able to able to hold on to that and, and to be in such a good place? You said you're, you're not struggling with depression. You're, you're doing well. Well, I, I mean, I get down and out like everybody else, and I, I turn over to God, but I, I try to give back more so than ever. I do that through independent filmmaking through the area of St. Louis. Um, I, I used to, are you still there? Oh, yes, I'm here. Uh, I apologize. My screen went off. I, uh, I, I aimed, like, recently I've just been really, uh, I guess my mind's been elsewhere trying to help with the racial equality. I'm getting ready to release a film called Cranked in February of 27th. And it's about the uh, crack cocaine epidemic that was around in the 1980s and kind of how we parallel to those tumultuous times then as we do now. Hmm. So you're staying busy, and, and it sounds like you really have a, a great creative outlet. Oh, yeah. And, and you know what's awesome is that musically, both locally and nationally, I mean, it's just incredible how many people are going to be on the film soundtrack just because of, of the direction where it's going for equality. I mean, big acts like Reese Roper or... or Reese Young or Sarah John. I mean, these are like big acts, national acts, and yet they're willing to contribute their music. So if I can get people like that to be on 
my movie soundtrack, I must be doing something in the right direction. Hmm. We're talking today to Ellie Mercutio Sherrier. Um, she's an independent filmmaker. She's she's putting out a lot of movies these days, staying very busy. She also has a public art project. And Ellie, that's the reason that we have you here, this, this art project that asks, what do you want to do before you die? Tell us how this project manifests itself. I, I think I misspoke earlier. I said this is going to be in downtown St. Louis. This is actually in Forest Park? Yes, ma'am. Well, I, it, actually, it actually started not by me, but by a woman by the name of Candy Chung, uh, following her own experience of bereavement and grief uh, years ago. And since then, since she put one up, there's been over a thousand Before I Die Walls that's been created, and I think over 35 languages in over 70 countries around the world. Hmm. And so this wall, um, tell me, what is what does the art consist of? What, what, is, what would one see if one walked up to it in Forest Park? It is a three-foot by 12-foot long chalkboard, and I've stenciled on there. I had to build it. I mean, they you can go onto the website if you yourself are listening far away you want to erect one. It's on the website. You get all the building directions. You stencil on the before I die and the blank mark, and you build this giant chalkboard, and you erect it. It's freestanding so that people can walk up and, you know, fill it in, and then you have the responsibility of going back and obviously cleaning it up, keeping the area nice, but... Uh, it's just a giant chalkboard that has a bunch of blanks on it, but it's amazing once it starts to become filled up. And people might ask themselves, well, if I put something on there, it's just going to get erased. And it will, but after it's documented, t- pictures are taken of it so that it, it can be a memory forever for everyone hmm. to see. So you're in charge of, of keeping it maintained and also making sure there's chalk on site? Or how, how yeah. does that work? Yes, ma'am. I have to make sure the area is cleaned up around it, that there's no trash. I have to make sure people are being respectful. You know, people aren't writing profanity on there, uh, inappropriate things. Kids coming through, they're trying to put something goofy on there. Uh, you know, keep it G-level. <laughs> That's good. It's going to be in Forest Park. Uh, you, you, you know, kids might right. see this thing. Did you have to get permission? You said it started with this candy chung. Did you have to get permission to um, bring it to this particular site at this moment in time? Yes, uh, and, and for those who are listening, you, when you go to the website, I mean, and they don't mind you doing it. I think it's more or less they would like to know about it so they can keep track of all these walls being built. Hmm. But, but yeah, you have, to, you have to ask for permission, and then you once you get their permission, obviously, then you have to find the proper venue, wherever that might be, a public place, and the proper government. Uh, my point of reference was is that we needed something like this more than ever because of what's going on to remind people that, there are still reasons to care about each other and to not give up and to wear a mask mm-hmm. and to, to hope. And and so you're in Forest Park. It's such a big park. Where exactly will people be able to find this? Uh, when you go into Forest Park, let's see, uh, you, well, it's right by the Muni. Oh, right by the Muni. Okay, that is a great direction for people. So if people... I was like, I was trying to think. I was like, Forest Park is huge. It is huge. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be, it's going to be up there. I understand you're trying to, or you're planning to get it up in the next couple weeks before the end of this month. How long will it be up? Oh uh, well, uh, I got a week. I okay. got an entire, I got an entire week. So uh, I'll visit it every day and make sure there's plenty of chalk and make sure there's no profanity on it. Make sure I can. Uh, documented if it fills up. I hope it fills up. There's a lot of people out jogging and whatnot, so hopefully they'll stop and they'll uh, give us a moment of what's going on in their brain and what they're hoping or goals or wishes are. Yeah, and I wanted to, um, one side note I wanted to mention here, um, did you hire somebody to build this wall? Or No, no, I, I had a friend that was going to help me, and uh, bless her heart, she ended up getting covid 
And so she has been uh, suffering in Barnes Jewish Hospital, but she's getting better. So that's always good. So I've been building it on my own. So that's just, I've been dragging my feet where everybody else has had help. So I just I just been putting it up in a friend's warehouse. I got to get the space to be able to build this giant thing and get all the materials. But yeah, it's been quite a project. I've never built a giant chalkboard this big before. Yeah. So you're personally doing the construction of this. Where do you even begin to find uh, the materials you need for a giant chalkboard? Uh, actually, they were donated to me by Handyman Hardware in Florissant, Missouri. Uh, so I got the opportunity to get some wood and stuff that they were getting rid of. Uh, that was, you know, how you, things are just slightly, you know, have imperfections in it and whatnot, or people won't buy a particular material or wood, kind of like that. The mm-hmm. donating uh, materials that would just gone to waste. Well, that's great to hear. I'm glad they were able to get a plug for that. What a wonderful donation. We did ask our listeners on our St. Louis on the Air Facebook page, what do you want to do before you die? We heard from a couple of them. Uh, Donnie writes, before I die, I want to visit Machu Picchu. And Bill writes, probably not the answer you're looking for, but here we go. I cannot think of a thing that I want to do before I die. I have been so blessed in my life that I can go at any time and feel like I've accomplished everything. I often refer to my life now as a bonus round. I've had so many close calls that should have ended my life, that it's changed my perspective on what's really important. Ellie, as much as you're, you're putting this project out to give people hope, does what Bill says, does that kind of resonate for you as well? Absolutely. As part of the reason why I do what I do, I have had so many close calls from being such a moron and not following the rules. And now I have everything is a bonus. Everything is a, icing on the cake. I have difficulties like anyone else, but I have to say I don't have anything to fill in the blanks myself these days, I've already got that, and I've got everything I need, my family, and I'm pretty blessed, I have to say, for somebody who has almost a decade clean from heroin, and I used to be pretty strung out and a big mess, so... Well, I'm so glad you're making the most of that bonus, uh, that bonus life you're enjoying now, and you're putting some good icing on this cake. One last thing I wanted to ask you about today in our final couple minutes here, in addition to all the filmmaking work that you're doing, and in addition to this big, cool project, you also have some big plans for the old Jamestown uh, Mall parking lot in North County. What are you hoping or planning to bring to that? I, uh, my hopes is, is that I wanted to, they, well, they have a bunch of projects, proposed projects, and they wanted to... Uh, tear it down, put businesses or little stores in, and then that flopped. And then I guess there was something about having a warehouse, and then that flopped. That building is just sitting, all, all those buildings are just sitting there, and nobody's getting any money for it. So my proposal was that uh, why don't you let me pay you for your parking lot so I can project giant movies on the sides of your buildings and turn it into a drive-in theater. We don't need to get up close. We can have you know, start off with one movie, and all I get to do is clean up the parking lot and hand them the money after collecting the money for the tickets. So this is almost a a drive-in situation for the old Jamestown Mall site. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a drive-in situation. It's uh, absolutely a drive-in situation. Uh, We're going to have people stay in their vehicles. By the radio. People stay in their vehicles. It'll be COVID compliance. We're going to have people walking around to make sure people are following the rules. If not, they'll be asked to leave. But, you know, it's going to be summer soon, and people are itching already about wearing their masks. You know, we need everybody to stay on point so that we can get through this together. So what better than to have some COVID-compliant, you know, fun where you can actually feel like you can be a part of society for a minute and enjoy a nice movie. Absolutely. So, so, so what's the timeline on that launching? Uh, I would like to have it out by 
end of February, uh, but definitely by the beginning of summer, so that'd be May. Okay. We missed out on the St. Louis Film Festival, the International Film Festival. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Yeah, I mean, we're all missing out on so much these days. This sounds like something that would just be a nice little thing on, on the other side uh, to sort of balance the equation a little bit, give us something to look forward to. So I hope these plans come to fruition. And uh, Ellie Mercutio, Sherry, or I want to thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you. It was all my honor. Thank you so much for having me on. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.